0: Welcome to the Book of Mormon Evidence Podcast with host Rod Meldrum. This week's Come Follow Me Supplemental Study is Lesson 48, Moroni 7-9 through 9, May Christ Lift Thee Up This is Part 2 of the Palmyra Legacy with Lori Bean Henderson. Willard and Rebecca Bean have gained much attention over the years with awesome praise and adoration. Granddaughter Lori Bean Henderson has shared the inspiring true story of their extraordinary 24-year mission in Palmyra, New York the longest mission in the history of the church at firm foundation conferences and firesides for many years. Their story is an example of how the Lord can take an ordinary man and prepare him for an extraordinary purpose. Willard was a kind man, a humble man, a man with deep passion for the gospel and an astounding knowledge of the scriptures. He was a man of great wit and genuine humor, a writer, an actor, and a comedian. He was the first member of the church to do real research into evidences of the Book of Mormon in the Great Lakes region. He was a distinguished speaker and theologian, a defender of truth. He was active in community service in Palmyra, even a leader of the community organizations. Rebecca was the epitome of charity, of loving kindness, always engaged in service to God in the church and in the community. Together they raised their family to be patient, tolerant, and kind in a hostile environment. Their unshakable testimonies, extraordinary courage, faith, and reliance on the sustaining power of the Savior, and their love unfeigned for everyone, is inspiring and empowering for all. The Palmyra legacy neither begins nor ends with this exceptional couple. There is much more to be appreciated as the history of Palmyra unfolds.
1: Today I have my dear friend Lori Bean Henderson. Now I, w- I want to kind of turn a little bit more of our attention back to the Hill Cumorah because this is such an important aspect of the, uh, of the of the Book of Mormon. It's such an important place for where two ancient civilizations actually met their end. The Jaredite civilization and also the Nephite. And that, that may have ramifications for uh, our civilization too. And so uh, so I wanted to point out, if you, if you have, again, if you have your Annotated Book of Mormon here uh, with you, if you can turn back to, uh, to page 441, this is uh, Mormon, Chapter 6, basically, area. But uh, it, has, it asks the question, where is the Hill Cumorah? And that has been a big, big feature, because uh, it comes down to this, and that is that uh, if the Hill Cumorah in New York is the actual hill where the final battles took place, then that really is like 4,000 miles away from Central America Mesoamerica, which is you know Guatemala and southern Mexico and so forth. And that would make it pretty, well, virtually impossible for the Book of Mormon to have happened down there. So in order to accommodate um, the, the the theory of the Book of Mormon happening in Central America, which, by the way, has no, no basis in, in, in any church history or anything like that as far as that's concerned, um, they had to kind of manufacture this idea of that, well, the the Hill in New York isn't the real Hilcomore. The real Hilcomore is down in Central America someplace, and uh, and this was just a symbolic kill. Um, but you know, at some point Moroni uh, wandered up here four thousand miles with a with a set of you know 70 seventy pound uh, plates uh, to bring them up here and and, and then deposit them in the Hilcomore here in New York so that Joseph Smith could find them, you know, some sixteen hundred and something years later. Anyway, so. Um, this idea, though, of the two hill Kimora theory, I got I got to tell you that even like like the Interpreter and uh, Book of Mormon Central and so forth and their Come Follow Me stuff, uh, they are continued to promote this 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 idea of two hill Kimoras. and it's so sad to see how they just they censor out the things that they don't want people to know. So we want you to know. Uh, what prophets and apostles, and uh, an Oliver Cowdery, who was one of the foremost experts on the on, on the Book of Mormon, because he was the one with Joseph Smith that basically right. helped with the translation of the whole thing. Um, and so, I want to, uh, to to do this now. I, I, got, I got to tell you, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to share with you now. I have actually, I, I'm going to be doing an abbreviated version of this. It's called the Hill Cumorra, the Verifications and Realistic Archaeological Expectations. Now, that's kind of a long. Kind of a long title to a thing, the thing, but basically this came about, and let me just tell you a little bit really quickly about this. I'm going to go through some slides here, which is which by the way these are in this uh, this this DVD, and the DVD also has some of the most beautiful. Oh my goodness, it is gorgeous. We had the um, some of the most beautiful fall uh, when the when the trees were all just at their maximum color. It was just amazing um, how. These trees were just beautiful, and then we went out there with the drones and so forth. And Mike and, uh, and Nancy were out there, and, uh, and and basically took some of the most beautiful um, aerial footage of of the Hilcomora that you'll ever see. In fact, we'll we'll uh, play some of that maybe in the background here as we're talking about some of this kind of stuff. But uh, I want to go to uh, the, the first part of this. Basically, again, it's called the Hilcomora verifications: realistic archaeological expectations. This came about because of the uh, fact that, that in, in my first book. Uh, the first main book here is called Exploring the Book of Mormon in America's Heartland here. This, uh, this, this book basically had a whole section about the Hill of So So as you go into it here about what did Joseph Smith know, was, you know, talking about a land of promise and what Joseph Smith knew, and so forth. Then it goes into the Zelf account here, and then it goes right into the Hill of So this was actually part of the, uh, of the original book here. Um, because we, we have to address this. Um, pretty straight on. You know, where's the Hill Cumorah? Joseph Smith in the Hill Cumorah, and there's some awesome quotes in here. A couple of which I'm going to share with you um, here in this in, in this uh, podcast here. So uh, this is this is again this is the Hill Cumorra. Um You'll notice that uh, one of the big things is is that it's not a very big hill. I mean, it's you know it's it's kind of re- relatively large for the area, but there's even yeah. bigger hills than it yeah. around the area as well. And they go well. yeah, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of diminutive. It's not a very big hill. It's kind of a, you know, it's just a, it's a glacial drumlin. And we have time to go into all the details about that. But basically, after the the the, uh, the little ice age basically happened, there was all these glaciers, and they left these big piles of rubble basically, in 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 north south oriented. Um, uh, you know these uh, th- these Drumlins basically that makes up the Finger Lakes region of the of Western New York, and uh, so we, ha- we happen to be at this uh, bookstore. This is the uh, Latter Day Harvest Bookstore. It's actually been closed now because of the lack of uh, of pageants. <laughs> ah, <I didn't laughs> not necessarily lack of tourists. There was lack of pageant. Uh, Because of COVID, that that basically that uh, that messed that up. Uh, They've closed that, but this is this. I I love this store because it was. They they call it. uh, In fact, if you see up at the top of this, it says, "We are a One Hill LDS bookstore." (laughs) (laughs) And in fact, uh, I'm actually wearing my particular shirt today, which is, uh, I try to wear different shirts for different occasions on who I'm talking to <laughs> and so forth, but I thought this would be apropos for yeah, you. It is, yeah. It's called the Firm Foundation, Only One Kimora. So that's the, uh, my uh, my only one Kimora shirt. Uh, because there's nowhere in the Book of Mormon where it says anything about two Hill Kimuras. In fact, it says, if anything, that the Hill Rama of the Jaredites was the Hill yeah. of the Nephites. Yeah. And uh, and and they never talk about. There's not anywhere in the book where they ever say anything about one hill, uh, and, and a symbolic hill someplace else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so I love that this is uh, my friend Mark. He basically was the one that, that was running this. We, we met a bunch of different people, but I had an interesting thing happen to me while we were there doing these book signings and so forth there in that in the the uh, bookstore there in Palmyra. Uh, I had a special person come to me, and that's well Mormon mormon showed up at the bookstore okay (laughs) so this is mormon right here there he is right there he's the guy who plays mormon in the pageant okay he played for that year anyway (laughs) okay so he came in he was kind of telling me how they have um people come in and they have presentations and so forth for the pageant cast members um you have to kind of Take up the time and, and so forth, and, and help them learn more about the Hilkimora. Well, they had some guy who'd gone in there and had told everybody that the Hillcamora here in New York was not really the Hilkimora of the Book of Mormon. The real Hilkimora was down in Central America. This was just the symbolic kill up here in New York. And he said, uh, he says, man, he said, I just felt so weird to me. I didn't, I never really heard that before about this two Kamora theory. You know, that would had been brought up by a bunch of intellectuals who were trying to basically accommodate the Central American ideas. And uh, and we've and we've addressed that at infinitum and, and lots of other things. But anyway, so so uh, I, so I proceeded to tell him. Well, well, do you know about the accounts from uh, from Oliver Cowdery in Letter Seven? He said, Well, now. So I started telling me that. Anyway, by the time we were done, he said, You've got to come and tell the pageant cast members about this. So he actually made arrangements. Um, so Mormon actually made arrangements yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me to come and speak to the pageant cast members. This is in the pavilion or something like that. Yeah, the study pavilion, I think it was called. Anyway, this just showing a couple of pictures of the pavilion there where everybody from the pageant cast can come and learn more about things. Things. I ended up doing a, uh, about a, a two-hour and a half, almost a three-hour long presentation there for the cast members there um, about the Hill Cumorah. Where's the evidence? I mean, people want to know. You know, if if the Book of Mormon actually ended here, if this is where the final battles were, you know, there's a whole bunch of things like that, that. just don't seem to make sense. Like, for example, you know, the hill's too small to permit such a massive battle to take place on. The hill's too small for to, to view hundreds of thousands of people dead in such a massive battlefield. Uh, there should be millions of human bones, and they haven 't been found and there 's no steel swords and there 's no metal armor like head plates and breastplates have been found and it 's a glacial drumlin it 's not conducive to cave formation and There was this idea that the, that the one uh, one of the early accounts talked about it possibly being a cave and it 's not you know it's cave happens in, in what they call karst formations or limestone formations that caves don 't happen in rubble piles yeah. <laughs> you know so so these were some of the uh, the questions that they wanted to have addressed. And so, basically, um, because of my uh, scientific background and, and working with the universal model and things like that, I decided to take this this project on. So it was really kind of fun. So we had a good time. Later on, I I then re-recorded this at one of our conferences, and then we made it into the DVD. But I just wanted to kind of just very quickly the DVDs um, longer and takes more. We can take more time. But there's just a few things I wanted to share with you. So, for example, this is in regard to the Hill Camorra. There's been at least four or five different Hill Camorras identified down in Central America by these Mesoamerican advocates. And I've actually even read there was one time there was an article by anti Mormons that it was called One Camorra, Two Camorra, Three Camorra, Four. How many more? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they are an embarrassment to the church. With uh, with their with their continued uh, promoting and pushing of the Central American idea that the that Guatemala is the promised land of the of, of the Book of Mormon and not the United States of America, that the prophecies and the promises that are contained in the Book of Mormon apply better to Guatemala than they do here to America. Hmm. Anyway, so it's it's kind of a sad thing, but they but they're still promoting that idea. Uh, it's old, and it's tired, and it's time for it to be <laughs> retired permanently. But uh, anyway, but they're still pushing it, so we'll, we'll see what happens. So uh, uh, what exactly does the Book of Mormon account say about the final battles? You know, for example, what would we expect to find? In, in Mormon chapter 6, it talks about that uh, we might gather together people to the land of Camorra by a hill which was called Camorra. There we would give them battle. So it was the land of Camorra as well as just the hill itself. What they were being talking about here. Uh, Mormon chapter 6, verse 4, it says, It came to pass that we did march forth to the land of Cumorah. We did pitch our tents round about the hill Cumorah. So that's where their tents were. They weren't on the hill necessarily, they were round around the the, uh, the perimeter of the hill, apparently. And it was a land of many waters, rivers, and fountains, and here we had hoped to gain advantage over the Lamanites. So this is where they, they had, had been. Then a couple of verses later, it says, It came to pass that when we had gathered on all our people to to the land of Cumorah, behold, I Mormon began to be old. I can imagine he's starting to feel old. We just read a couple of the of the epistles that he sent to Moroni, and he wasn't expecting to live through some of these final battles here. He says, and uh, be, he, he, knowing it was the last struggle of my people, I mean commanded of the Lord that I should not suffer the records which have been handed down to be fallen to the hands of the Lamanites. He says, therefore I made this record out of the plates of Nephi and hid up in the hill Cumorah. All the records which have been entrusted to me by the hand of the Lord, see so if it were these few plates which I gave to Moroni, his son. Okay. So where were all of the record of the Nephites? They were in the Hill Cumorah. Okay. Um, and so that's a real important aspect of this. Um, and it says it came to pass that this is the verse seven says that every soul was filled with terror because of the greatness of their numbers, and I kind of go into some of the things that were being used in that, in that final battle were swords and bows and arrows and axes and all manners of weapons of war. And then they talked about that they did behold from the top of the hill Cumorah, 10,000 of his people hewn, hewn down. And then he also talks about the 10,000 of his people and 10,000 of Gidganana, and here's a whole bunch of other ones, and 10 more. And they're ten thousand each. We're talking about a massive battle here. In fact, they talked they talk about the great the great battle at Camorra. probably the, the biggest battle that had ever happened in their in their history, was there in Camorra. And then uh, and it says there, but there was a few people who escaped to the south countries. And this is this is one of the key factors right here that we understand. Now, when the Jaredites had their war of extinction and extermination, basically. Um, who was left? They fought down to like one guy, <laughs> okay, yeah. Coriantum, right? Mm-hmm. And he was the last guy. Was he going to go bury hundreds of thousands of people? Impossible. There'd be no way for him to do that. So they just were left on the ground, and that's what they did. In the case of the of the Nephites, did the did the, did the Lamanites care about the dead Nephites? Heck no, they didn't care. So, this is what it says that they, they did. So it says their flesh and their bones and blood lay upon the face of the earth, being left by the hands of those who slew them to moulder upon the land and to crumble and to return to mother Earth. So these were never buried. So basically, so what I, what I, what I did is I asked the pageant cast members I said if a, if a cow were to wander off over here and go die, how long would it be before you would find no evidence of that cow ever existing?" Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't be very long. I mean, within a year or two, the the uh, the, the maggots and and everything else, and the uh, other vermin and so forth that come in. Plus, you got chemical and, and biological degradation of the of the fleshy materials. that gets down to the bones. The bones then freeze and thaw and so forth, and they they basically break down quickly over time to the point where they just turn into kind of a white powdery dust, almost like a like a calcium carbonate powder, basically. And that is not going to be found after about four or five years. so if anybody's expecting so th- these are unrealistic expectations of people finding stuff. so when your grandfather was there at the hillkommore I mean he didn't when they were, when he was farming you know how many times did he say, yeah I, I dug up a whole bunch of bones from people and so forth um you're not going to find bones but you were telling me about something though that uh, that so tell me tell us about that a little bit.
2: Okay, um, my dad and grandpa, when they were out plowing the fields, they dug up a skeleton that was eight feet tall, and he had a This is your dad? Yeah, my dad tells the story. (laughs) He was with his dad. They were working together, and they dug up this huge skeleton, eight feet tall, and had a a very large, heavy um, sword buried with him, and grandpa was an athlete. He was a strong man. Yeah, it took two hands for him to lift that sword. And then, wow. um, this and is clear, this, so
1: this is still even is into the, the uh, into the 1900s. This is,
2: yeah, this is in the 1920s. Yeah. Yeah,
1: late 1920s. So 1920s. still finding stuff back uh-huh. then. Yeah. And
2: then, about the same time, I think, I think I read that it was 1925, Grandpa said that um, there was a guy in the vicinity. Lots of the farmers around were digging up bones still. But um, mm-hmm. there was this one man who dug down deep for a well, to dig a well, and uncovered a whole mass oh, of, bones. of bones. I mean, it's still intact, and they were, you know, mm. seven, eight feet tall. My dad said this one that they dug up had the the head. Uh, the head was the size of a basketball. And, in fact, he and his right. brothers, they would find skulls and just wear them on their heads, and they'd play war. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So seriously, I guess maybe they reenacted they some these skulls battles. And they I don't put, know, put the, put the, but they'd wear the, the, skull, over the, the head. skull over the head. Yeah.
2: I and I believe it's in this book. In this yeah. book, there's records, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> and, and
2: they measured on the, the, you know, these people who found them. You know, in the 16, yeah, they were 700s. huge. Yeah, yeah, they had measurements, and they said they'd fit over a human head. Yeah, Um
1: that could have been some of the Jaredites or whatever, mm-hmm. possibly, or, or I mean, the Nephites. I mean, basically. Yeah, you know, it, it talks about the Jaredites being very large in stature, and also, but you know, it talks about Nephi; he was large in stature, and then Mormon Moroni said they were large in stature. Yeah. I don't think they were just bragging about how how right. big a guys they were. I think that they were trying to tell us something. Yeah, because if you've ever seen Mayan people, I don't know if you've, if you've, if, you've, if you've ever been down oh, to been uh, been to Central day. America. <laughs> I mean, most of the men will never make it past about five and a half feet tall, and most of the women are, are barely even five, or some of them even like four and a half feet tall. They are not what you'd call large in stature yeah. in any in anybody's book. Yeah. yeah. So that's another interesting yeah. aspect. And actually, if you take a look at the Algonquin-speaking language group of Native American Indians, like the Sioux and the Cheyenne, the Blackfoot, the Ojibwe, and other other these uh, these tribes that are part of the Algonquin group. Um, most of them are, you know, most of the men are six foot or bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and a lot of the women are in that same uh, size range. So they are actually large in stature. Yeah. But there was something else you were telling me just before we started this uh, the podcast about um, uh, deposits of, of things oh. and so forth. What was that about?
2: deposits? you mean, are you talking like...
1: Like bones and so forth. I mean, you talked about some bones but also about uh, calcium ca- carbonate okay, deposits. yeah. So my yeah. dad
2: was very excited. He said... While they lived there, um, people farmers would always come and take soil from the around the hill Camorra and back to their farms and use it as fertilizer. And I think it was huh. like around nineteen seventy-five, it was in the seventies, I remember he was very excited to learn that suddenly it had become deplete. Um, and so University of Rochester came and got some soil and Studied it to see why has it been so rich for all these years, and, and you know what? Yeah, because
1: there's no real deposits of calcium carbonate yeah. around there.
2: Yeah, and so they studied it and determined that the that what it was was human bone. So you say, you you know the scientific mm-hmm. words yeah. for the <laughs> breakdown <laughs> of human bones, yeah. but
1: yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Wow. So that's so so, so basically, they were doing a, 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 a geological kind of a. Know, study basically of the of the soils there and they found high concentrations of calcium carbonate which is basically from the breaking down of human bones they were saying yeah. this is what your dad was telling you
2: yeah he, he would awesome. I just I yeah. vaguely remember he told my husband he and Matt went back there just the two of them together once and dad gave him tours and stuff uh-huh. so um, yeah so he told it to my husband he, I also remember him just being very excited about that discovery
1: yeah yeah, because I think that, I think uh, James E. Talmage actually had some some uh, geological work and so forth oh, done there as well, and found the same kind of thing. Mm. So, uh, so let me get to a, a couple more uh, things here I wanted to, to share with you. Um, in the Book of Ether, it talks about the Hill Rama is the same hill as the Hill Cumora of the of the Nephites. Uh, so, in summary, what exactly does the Book of Mormon account say about the final battle? The Nephites were given time to gather. They built defensive measures as Best as they could, the hill Rama of the Jaredites was the hill Kumor of the Nephites. The number of men plus men, women, and children there's high and low estimates that you know from from you know depends on uh, a lot of different things, but basically it could be from you know a, a few hundred thousand people to uh, to you know there could have been as much as maybe two million combatants there
0: wow.
1: um, between the Lamanites and the Nephites. Uh, the result of the battle is neither the Jaredites or the Nephites were buried, they were left to mold and return to Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. If they're not buried, folks. Their bones are not going to be um, uh, maintained. I mean, they're just not. You know, the bones just fall apart. Now, if they're buried at least below the frost line, then the bones will actually last for a very long time, which is why you, you fi- still find bones, but they have to be buried
2: Deepen in up. order
1: to do that. Yeah. And then there was the, this repository, a room of records that was in the hill. So, uh, so the, one of the next things that we wanted to find out is what did prophets and apostles and other church leaders had to say about the Hillcumor in New York? This is the thing that, that you will probably never hear from Book of Mormon Central or uh, the, the Interpreter or other other groups who are promoting the Central American theories is these prophetic quotes. One of the most powerful ones actually is from uh, Letter 7. I'll just really mm-hmm. quickly about Letter 7. Letter 7 was actually... Oliver Cowdery was uh, was given the job by Joseph Smith to write the early history of the church, and he did so in a series of eight letters. In the seventh of those eight letters, he actually wrote um, these things about the Hill Cumorah. And now this is a guy that knows. I mean, he was he was he was considered the uh, he was a he, uh, in fact uh, Joseph Smith called him the um, like a co-president of the church at the time. Hmm. And, uh, and he had just helped with the translation of the Book of Mormon. He and Joseph were very close. And in fact, uh, Oliver Cowdery goes in and he actually talks about the fact that, uh, that, that these letters wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Joseph Smith and his input into these letters. Joseph Smith was, was so um, uh, impressed by Oliver's letters and, the, and this, this history of the church that he actually had them republished three different times. So if Joseph Smith didn't agree with it, why yeah. would he have them redone yeah. over and over and over mm-hmm. again? But I want, to, I want to share with you, though, a couple of things that Oliver Cowdery put into letter number seven, which I think is absolute evidence um, that this two Camorra theory is time that it's basically be, is done away with. Um, there is no two Camorras, or else we have to say that Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith didn't know what they were talking about. So either we believe Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, or we believe... Um, some scholars who basically disagree with them. I'm in the camp of staying with Joseph Smith and, okay. and Oliver Cowdery. Here, so he says, letter seven. He says, "quote I must now give you some description of the place where and the manner in which these records were deposited." He's talking about the gold plates here. You are acquainted with the mail road from Palmyra, Wayne County, to Canandaigua, Ontario County, New York. And also as you pass from the former to the latter place, before arriving at the little village of Manchester, say about three or four or about four miles from Mount Palmyra, you pass a large hill on the east side of that road. About one mile west of that hill rises another ridge of less height, running parallel with the former, leaving a beautiful vale or valley in between. The soil is of first quality for the country. And under a state of cultivation, which gives a prospect at once imposing, when one reflects on the fact. Now here, Oliver Cowdery says that it is a, he's calling this a fact. And Joseph right. Smith has now, he, he apparently didn't change this. So Joseph Smith must agree with this, mm-hmm. this, this is a fact. That here, between these two hills, the entire power and national strength of both, the Jaredites and the Nephites, were destroyed.
2: Such a powerful. I think
1: that's just absolutely just crystal clear. By turning to the 529th and 530th pages of the Book of Mormon, you have to realize here, let me grab this real quick here, behind here, this is uh, uh, a, a replica of the original 1830 uh, copy of the Book of Mormon. So he's actually referencing these particular pages. He doesn't talk about it in terms of, of uh, books and chapters because... In the original book, it wasn't this way. So you had to basically refer to things as the 529th and 530th pages. So that's basically uh, what he's talking about here. He says, um, You will read Mormon's account of the last great struggle of his people as they were encamped round about this hill Cumorah. In this valley fell the remaining strength and pride of a once powerful people, the Nephites, Once so highly favored of the Lord, but at that time in darkness doomed to suffer extermination by the hand of their barbarous and uncivilized brethren. He says, from the top of this hill, Mormon with a few others after the battle gazed with horror upon the mangled remains of those who the day before were filled with anxiety, hope, or doubt. This hill by the Jaredites was called Rama. By it or around it pitched the famous army of Coriantumur their tent. The opposing army were to the west and in this same valley and nearby. Any questions about this? This is, this is about as, as, as straightforward so clear. and clear as you can possibly be. He says, in this same spot, in full view from the top of this same hill, one may gaze with astonishment upon the ground which was twice covered with the dead and dying of our fellow men. This is this is uh, this is absolutely clear, mm-hmm. especially when you understand there's Palmyra, you have the sacred grove and where it's located. You have Kamora, and you have the hill Shim. So Kamora is just south of Palmyra and a little bit to the east there. And then Shim, the hill Shim, would be on the west side of the valley. And it's in this valley where this all basically took place. And Oliver Cowdery, um, just he wasn't expressing his opinion. Joseph Smith helped him to originally write these things and then Joseph Smith had these reprinted republished. Mm-hmm. So uh the, so so clearly Joseph Smith agreed with that and apparently the Lord does too. Okay. <laughs> Because in section uh, 128 in the Doctrine and Covenants, it says, again, what do we hear? Glad tidings from Camora, And Camora is associated here with Fayette, Seneca County, the banks of the Susquehanna. Talks about Peter, James, and John in the wilderness between Harmony, Susquehanna County, and Colesville, Broom County on the Susquehanna River. These are not places in Guatemala or southern Mexico. These are places in New York where your grandfather served those 24 years with his family um, and reclaiming this sacred space for the church and and, it's, and throughout uh, its history. I love this uh, quote by Elder Marky e. Peterson. This was in a general conference address back in April of 1953. He says, I do not believe that there are two Hill Cumorras, one in Central America and the other one up in New York for the convenience of the prophet Joseph Smith so the poor boy would not have to walk clear to Central America to get the gold plates. <laughs> I love that. Marky e. Peterson was very clear. And then this is even more um, more damaging here, because folks, this is this this is the sad part. This 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 um, this idea of the two Kamora theory actually is damaging to the church and its members. And, uh, and, and in case anybody's wondering about uh, if that is the case, here is uh, President uh, Joseph Fielding Smith, and his uh, this was actually in, in his book uh, that he wrote, the Doctrines of Salvation, basically. But uh, but he writes this. He says, this modernistic theory, the, this, this two Camorra theory of necessity, in order to be consistent, must place the waters of Ripley and the Hill someplace within the restricted territory of Central America. I love this. Notwithstanding the teachings of the church to the contrary for upwards of 100 years. So the church for over 100 years taught that this is the Hill of the Book of Mormon, but there's some scholars who think that they know more. Than the than the prophets and and the and Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, yeah. because of this Tucumura theory, some members of the church have become confused and greatly disturbed in their faith in the Book of Mormon. Why would it cause confusion and and, and so forth on the Book of Mormon? Because if you put the Book of Mormon in Central America, there is no archaeological evidence that really clearly supports the Book of Mormon. There's no DNA evidence. The linguistics don't match up down there. The uh, the, the plants and animals and so forth. I mean, nothing matches up down there. Um, and so when you try to force that that uh, that round peg into a square hole, it just doesn't work. Um, it is for this reason, he says, this is Joseph Fielding Smith, that evidence is here presented to show that it is not only possible that these places could be located as the church has held during the past century, in other words, in North America, but that in very deed such is the case. It is known that the hill Camorra where the Nephites were destroyed is the hill where the Jaredites were also destroyed. This hill was known by the Jaredites as Rama. is approximately near to the water's Ripliankum, which the book of Ether says by interpretation is large or to exceed all. It must be conceded that this description fits perfectly the land of in New York. As it has been known since the visitation of Moroni to the prophet Joseph Smith, for the hill is in the proximity of the Great Lakes. It talks about the the... You know, the great waters, basically, and so forth, right? Yeah. Large bodies of water. It talks about several times in the Book of Mormon. Uh, and also in the land of many rivers and fountains. Moreover, the prophet Joseph Smith himself is on record, definitely declaring the present hill called Camora to be the exact hill spoken of in the Book of Mormon. Further, the fact that all of this associates from the beginning down have spoken of it as an identical hill where Mormon Moroni hid the records must carry some weight. It is difficult for a reasonable person to believe that such men as Oliver Cowdery, Brigham Young, Partley P. Pratt, Orson Pratt, David Whitmer, and many others could speak frequently of the spot where the Joseph Smith obtained the plates as the hill Camorra and not be corrected by the prophet if that wasn't the fact. <laughs> okay. That they did speak of this hill in the days of the prophet in this definite manner is an established record of history. Uh, there's also an interesting quote that you wanted to share here with, uh, with from Brigham Young. Okay. And it's right there, so.
2: Oh, you've got this. Okay. Oliver Cowdery went with the prophet Joseph when he deposited these plates. Joseph did not translate all of the plates. There was a portion of them sealed, which you can learn from the Book of Doctrine and Covenants. When Joseph got the plates, the angel instructed him to carry them back to the hill Cumorah, which he did. Oliver says that when Joseph and Oliver went there, the hill opened, and they walked into a cave in which there was a large and spacious room. He says he did not think at the time whether they had the light of the sun or artificial light, but that it was just as light as day. They laid the plates on a table— it was a large table that stood in the room. Under this table, there was a pile of plates as much as two feet high, and there were altogether in this room more plates than probably many wagon loads. They were piled up in the corners and along the walls.
1: Yes, and so that basically is a, a little bit from, from Brigham Young about that actual place mm-hmm. as well. Uh, this, this, uh, this letter right here is basically one that was, gotten, was, was uh, obtained by Bishop Daryl L. Brooks, from the Moore Ward in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma South Stake. This is clear back in 1990. And he asked, you know, basically, is the Hill Cumorra in New York the hill of the Book of Mormon? And the church responded back. This is uh, from Michael Watson, the secretary to the first presidency. And he wrote back, he said, The church has long maintained, as attested to by reference in the writings of general authorities, that the Hill Cumorra in western New York state is the same as referenced in the Book of Mormon, period. So that's a pretty important stuff. some people have tried to say well Michael F Michael Watson he he just was on his own he went rogue he didn't actually take this to the first presidency um, he has actually claimed quite the opposite so yeah he so he has uh he totally disagrees with that he was saying he was basically giving the first presidency's understanding
0: that's Sorry
2: No <laughs> I'm supposed to feed my chickens right now
1: Oh okay
2: <laughs> I turned the, the volume off. I didn't know the alarm oh. would go off. I'm sorry. Oh, that's the alarm.
1: important. <laughs> what do I do? Well, the food for the chickens is important. <laughs> I'm going I'm to turn my phone
2: completely off. Just in case. That's okay. I might get another alarm.
1: What, do you think I should do that little part? or
2: It's a little distracting, so I would do that part again. Okay. Just really quick. I don't know when, Lori was, or when Nancy was here, but Lori, I have... Um, I have all those pictures of your thing of, that you sent me, and I have all I have the videos queued up too. You're going to play at least one of the videos, right? We're going to do the the Hill Camaro with Hinckley. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and then
1: I've got the other one with Wayne the, was we, we, we already did.
2: Pictures, just kind of reference them, then I can throw them up. But I, I don't know if you already blew past that part. And yeah, we kind
1: of did because we ended up doing the 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 Bean family. Thing so, first, and then we're doing this.
2: The
1: like, okay, we're going we're gonna to circle back around at the very end and pick up. where so basically, we things. left off a few things there, yeah. but we're pretty much just going through the through the uh, okay. the Hill Cumorah stuff okay. right now. So yeah, you just say that part. Okay. That part. Okay. So, okay. So. Okay. So actually, um, this is this is a letter that was uh, that was obtained back in 1990 by uh, Bishop Daryl L. Brooks, and uh, it was actually signed by uh, as the Secretary to the First yeah. Presidency, F. Michael Watson. And he basically says right out, he says, the church has long maintained as attested to by references in the writings of general authorities that the Hill in western New York state is the same as referenced in the Book of Mormon. Same hill. And uh, and people said, well, he was just expressing his own personal opinion and so forth. It's kind of interesting because they never really wanted to accept the fact that, that he himself basically said, that's baloney, I would never have put anything in there that was my own opinion and then yeah. and then, and then say that it was the first presidency's idea, so uh so that was clearly run past the uh, the first presidency, and then he wrote the letter as the secretary to respond yeah. back to that so there's some unrealistic expectations of the hill um so for example, the size of the hill's too small that they can't see millions of people from that from that vantage point on the top of the hill as steel swords have not been found, no metal armor, and no bones. But actually, when we go through and explain all that, basically, number one, we know that the size of the hill is not the most important thing. It's whether or not it is a good place to view from and mm-hmm. kind of you know, watch over the battles yeah. and so forth from the top. Yeah. Um, you can't see millions of massive people from the from that. So let's go. Let's go through this really quickly. Number one, the hill's too small. Um, it is a relatively small hill. It's not. It's not really big, really massive for the area, basically. Um, it's there on the right-hand side. You can kind of see that the little kind of a bell-shaped thing coming down of there, so you can kind of see that. Um, but uh, but does that mean that it's too it's too small to be the hill? Kimura. I find it interesting, however, that the uh, that the Book of Mormon never calls it the mountain Kimura.
2: Right. right.
1: <laughs> it was a hill. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A hill is smaller than a mountain, as everyone knows. Yeah. The hill's too small to view hundreds of thousands of dead. Well, this is actually from the Battle of Gettysburg. This is actually a page from the uh, the, the uh, um, exploring the Book of Mormon in America's Heartland book, and uh, there was Little Round Top and Big Round Top. You can see that in the lower in the lower image. Uh, Big Round Top was a taller mountain, but they actually used Little Round Top here in the Battle of Gettysburg as their strategic lookout, and the reason why is pretty simple. Big Round Top had trees all over it, and they couldn't see off of it. Little Round Top was kind of denuded on the top, and so they could see off of it, yeah. so it made a better vantage point. <laughs> so the size of the hill does not a strategic location make. So yeah. so, so basically the point is is that the Hill Camora can still be a strategic location, even though it may not be really that tall. Uh, but nevertheless, this is a view from the top of the Hill Cumorra. Um You can see an awful long ways. You can almost see to Rochester, which is about uh, 30 miles away from here, or 25 miles away or so from the hill, and you can see down all the way to Rochester, these valleys would certainly be big enough to, to watch you know, several hundred thousand people down there uh, fighting it out and so forth. There's no no issues with that. So that's just uh, a bogus um, uh, reason to disbelieve the Book of Mormon account and that, that this is the Hill Cumorah. Uh, millions of human bones have not been found. Well, we kind of addressed that already, but I'll just address this a little bit more. Uh, the bison, um, in, in uh, one of my first uh, DVDs, I actually talked about the 60 million bison that had roamed the plains at one point in time. Yeah. Um, they were slaughtered by the, by the millions, literally, uh, it's somewhere between 30 and 60 million. You know, experts disagree on how many might have been there. But the bottom line is a buffalo is a lot bigger animal with a lot heavier, thicker bones than a human is. Um, where's all their bones hmm. today? You know, if, if, if all these animals got shot, most of them were just left to, to die. They cut their tongue out sometimes and they have that as a delicacy back east <laughs> yeah. and so forth. But they mostly did this to basically deny the Native Americans from yeah. their ability to live. Yeah. So after their food supply was done, they could easily just round them up and put them on reservations because they were starving to death. So that was one of the main purposes of that. But even this is in Yellowstone. This is just showing uh, how quickly carcasses um, basically d- you know decay. <laughs> And this is only about, this This is in the first year, basically. This is after a couple of years. And this is what it looks like about three years after a, a, an animal had died. They actually have documented these things. So this is interesting to see. There's hardly anything left. Yeah. Um, what about steel swords? Well, number one, steel doesn't last for very long. Steel actually rests. And so as a, as a quick example, it's you know, Joseph Smith's sword, basically talking about that. But this is a 17th century sword. Look at how much is left.
2: Wow. <laughs>
1: okay, they fall apart really quickly, especially out in this wet, damp climate yeah. that they have back east. Yeah. Um, and also, many of their swords weren't weren't steel; they were copper. it talks about their head plates and breastplates and so forth were oh. primarily out of copper. Um, now, copper is going to last, though. Mm. So th- this gives you an idea of some some of the swords. And these are these are not as old as the of the of the as the Book of Mormon time frame swords. Mm and uh, yet see look at how badly those are completely falling apart here yeah. and that's probably a better quality of steel than maybe the Nephites may have had uh what about metal armor and headplates and breastplates and so forth where is all that and uh so that's that's another interesting thing um when you when it comes down to it here we have uh, a little depiction here of the of these uh these battles going on with the steel swords and breastplates and and armor and so forth um, but you have to remember, folks, that uh, who had the bigger army there? The Lamanites or the Nephites? The Lamanite army was probably three to four s- times the size of the Nephites' army, right? I can't that. So after the Nephites basically were completely killed off, you would have had three or four times their number of Lamanites. Um, what's the chances that a Lamanite uh, warrior. Um, I was going to say, you know what? That guy, he's about my size. I, I think I'll just take that guy's armor right there. I'll yeah. put it on myself. Oh, this head plate, man, it just fits just right on me, you know, or or, or whatever. It's called the spoils of war. Mm-hmm. But if there's so many more of them than there were of the, of the Nephites, how many of these armor pieces are going to be remaining?
2: Yeah.
1: Like none. They're going to strip every one of those, those bodies down, get whatever they want off of them, their shoes or whatever else they want, and uh, leave them there to rot, to return to Mother Earth. So you're not going to find a lot of stuff. But you may have some stuff. Some stuff might have gotten destroyed to the point where it was just kind of useless. Well, this, this head plate's been split in half. It's probably not much good anymore. We'll just leave that there. But there really wouldn't be hardly anything left. The, the Lamanites would haul it all off. And then where do they live? hundreds and hundreds of miles away and spread all over the land. So you wouldn't really find much of that. That's what you would expect from ancient warfare. I mean, you just don't find a lot of stuff laying around, especially if you have one of the armies is overwhelmingly bigger and most of them live. Yeah. If you have a close battle, then maybe there's just too much. You know, I mean, one guy can't use 10 sets of armor. But uh, but if, it's, but if it's, a, it's the other way around, it would be easy to do. This is just kind of just showing what, uh, you know, as, as they uh, found their loved ones and uh, family members and so forth on the battlefield. Yeah. Um, it's a glacial drum not conclusive the cave formation, that's true. Um, but again, although that, that, uh, that um, account talks about it being a cave, it says it was a room. And it was a room, basically, um, if it was a room, it was man-made. It wasn't a natural cave. It was a room that was put into the hill right. that stored all of the records which actually, um, here's again some, some really old aerial pictures of the Hill Camorra before they started planting more trees and so forth on it. This was actually, um, you know, kind of gives you an idea of what it looks like without trees. Now there's so many trees you can't tell where the hill part is, <laughs> except for where they cut it out for the pageant. But uh, this is what it did look like. Um, summary, uh, there's been a bunch of unrealistic expectations about the size of the hill. They can't see millions and so forth. All of those things, none of those really hold any water. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is there any um, things that would be unexpected? Unexpected here, <laughs> this says, "Oh, so you're still hoping and clinging to unrealistic expectations?" That's adorable. <laughs> anyway, so what kind of expectations would we have then? Truly, based on the text, uh, we should find arrowheads. Arrowheads by the tens of thousands, maybe by the hundreds of thousands, because those are too small. They're not going to. I mean, they might. Take some of the good arrows that were left, but ones that get broken or damaged or whatever, they're just going to leave them there. Or if they get stuck in a body, they're not going to sit there and pull them all out, right. probably. Yeah. So they're going to, so there'd be lots of arrowheads. There'd probably be some defensive structures left, so things like rock walls or something that the Nephites they had, you know, several years basically to prepare for the onslaught of the Lamanites. They actually allowed them to go there and kind of prepare because they knew they were mm-hmm. this was it. They were going to annihilate them. And so forth. So there may be some defensive structures, and of course, and there are. Mm-hmm. Um, repository of records was there. Um, so if there is a repository of records in the Hill Cumora, maybe there would be some evidence for that. And uh, and and that's basically. So those are a couple of things that you might expect to find if the Book of Mormon actually did happen, and if it did happen, and these battles happened here at the Hill Cumora, and it's the real Hill Cumorra of the Book of Mormon, then maybe these things should be the case. And as it turns out, the arrowheads have been found by the by the by the tens of thousands, I mean hundreds of thousands yeah. of arrowheads. In fact, uh, this is an account here by George Albert Smith. There's evidence of the great battles that have been fought there in days mm-hmm. gone by are manifest by the numerous spear and arrowheads that have been found by farmers plowing in the neighborhood. That's from George Albert Smith conference report in April 1906. Mm-hmm. So unless George Albert Smith was lying, which I doubt highly.
2: Well, Willard and my dad and not the kids, <laughs> arrowheads all the time. One of their favorite pastimes was to skip arrowheads on the on Lake
1: Ontario. <laughs> really? mm-hmm. There's so many arrowheads they just use them as skipping oh, yeah. rocks. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my word! And your family even has arrowheads and so mm-hmm. forth still from there. Yeah. I know that there was there was accounts where there were so many arrowheads that farmers, almost every farmer in the whole area, had huge collections of these things, and it was so common they would trade them for marbles and whatever else because they were just everywhere. Um, but also, um, there was a point in time when they, when when the church finally got the Hilkimora, they put up the first visitor center. They had a barrel apparently for about fifteen years. They had this barrel outside of it. Here. people <laughs> can put their arrowheads in there. The farmers could, and 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 members of the church coming through the area as a memento of coming yeah. to the Hilkimora could pick out an arrowhead from the area. Yeah. For fifteen years, this went on. Wow, <laughs> Amazing. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, defensive structures, stone walls and ditches and so forth around the temple and sacred grove. It turns out, uh, this is from the life of Heber C. Kimball, uh, mounds at Camorra says in the towns of Bloomfield, Victor, Manchester, and other regions roundabout, there were hills upon the tops of which were entrenchments and fortifications. And then were human bones, axes, tomahawks, points of arrows, beads, and pipes, which were frequently found. It was a common occurrence in the count and the, in the country to plow up axes.
2: Hmm.
1: This is again from, uh, from Heber C. Kimball. Mm-hmm. The Hill Camorra is a high hill for that country and had the appearance of a fortification or entrenchment around it. That's actually at the base of it. Wayne May has actually been able to find some remnants of that, of some of that, of mm-hmm. those ancient entrenchments that they had there. Yeah. In this very region, according to the sacred record, the final battles were fought between the Nephites and the Lamanites. This is from The Life of Heber C. Kimball by Orson F. Whitney. Um, This is a view of a stone wall. Mm-hmm. Guess where this is at, Laura? Do you know where this is at? This is in is, is it, the sacred grove.
2: Oh, is it? I was going to say yeah. on the farm somewhere.
1: Yeah, this is on the Smith family farm in the sacred grove. There's this uh, this 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 wall that actually goes for probably about a quarter of a mile. Like that, there are a couple of bends and and, hmm. and turns and whatever a couple of times. But this, this wall of these stones goes along there. This is actually just outside of the temple. The
2: temple. Yeah, there. that one I recognize.
1: Yeah. Those right here. I've actually followed that one along. In fact, if you get a copy of the Hill um I actually have a speeded up version where I took a camera, basically like a GoPro, basically, and, and went along the entire thing. It's so long that we had to kind of speed it up several times and then we put it to some music and so forth. And that's when that's when I had the, the skunk encounter. I have- <laughs> you'll see that. You get the DVD and you'll see the skunk encounter uh, when we're talking about the stone walls there around the Hill uh, around the the Palmyra Temple, just literally outside of the front doors, about probably forty feet, this way, up upon a little bit of a ridge, and then it and then it drops way down into a gully on the other side. So it's actually going yeah. along that hillside. Oh. Yeah. So that and then and this is the repository reactor. Now this one is one that we that we need to probably clarify a couple of things because actually it was your husband was there, and so let's can you can you tell us just really briefly about the story of. The discovery of this this empty room in the Hill Camora yeah. yeah. So
2: for several years, and Matt doesn't remember the exact year, but somewhere probably around 2005, give or take.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he for several years he produced the pageants, and when I say that, he was the producer of the technical side of things, lighting, He He's the stand, tech guy, yeah. yeah. And so he was back there with his team setting up for the Palmyra pageant. Okay. And it was during um, rehearsals, and a boy, whether he was in it, the pageant or his family was, we don't know. But a young boy, they guess he was maybe around 12 years old, he wandered off on the hill. And then yeah, And I think I got that hole. part of
1: the thing wrong on, on, on the DVD. I think I, I, I thought it was one of your kids, but it wasn't one yeah, of your kids. Let's get this cleared we, up. That's what we've
2: heard. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've heard different variations of the story. So, okay, it's so we wanted to get it, it directly from the source yeah. here, yeah. So no, not, no relation at all. <laughs> he was just there, probably part of the cast. Uh-huh. And he wandered off and fell in this hole. And so um, Matt's team, Matt wasn't there when it happened. He did come and see the hole. But um, anyway, they got him uh. out, got this boy out. So it wasn't that deep. He wasn't really hurt. Yeah. So yeah. Matt's estimate was maybe it was 10 feet square.
1: Well, And actually, um, there was a couple of pictures. Mm-hmm. So this first picture yeah. is showing so what? These,
2: yeah, so some of the other crew, they t- they put their cameras in and, and took pictures.
1: Which is this picture here.
2: Yeah, and and um, Wayne May was excited to see these, and when we finally found can you, them... Can you see yeah. that picture there? Mm-hmm. Okay. When we found them, um, Wayne was able to zoom in more, and of course he knows what he's looking for, and he could see that it was a man-made room, because you could see this yeah. piled.
1: And you can actually stacked. see the, 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 the stones here are actually stacked on top of each other, yeah, which is how you kind of do it, and you stack them around each other, and then you basically then you can put stuff over the top of it. So this young this, this boy basically fell through the, the the upper structure of this room.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and so then they called physical facilities, and they came and covered it up. Which because is this picture? Steel, yeah, steel plate. Yeah. The steel plate there. And now it's overgrown. We've been back and we've tried to see if we could figure out where it was. <laughs> it's so overgrown now with with shrubbery, we can't find it. Um, that's all we know about that. <laughs>
1: that's our story. And that's that's it. Yeah. So. And there's been there's been some uh, some different ideas about why. You know, I mean, obviously it was empty, mm-hmm. but we but uh, but when um, Joseph and and the brethren left the area, there's an interesting time frame where basically none of them. Uh, Wilfred Woodruff, for example, was really big uh, journal taker, and there was like, mm-hmm. like I can't remember now. Um, I think it was Jonathan Nell actually that was helping to uh, to try to figure out. But Brigham Young actually talked about several wagon loads of plates. Yes. Mm-hmm. He may not have been guessing. No, they yeah. may have moved the plates from this repository before they left. They knew that people were going to come and dig that hill up. Because I mean, there was you know mm-hmm. they knew where he had gotten the plates from. So, so they basically um, mm-hmm. may have removed all of these plates and put them over into the other repository that is talked about by Amiran in the Hill yeah. Shim, uh-huh. uh, which has been on the west side of the valley over there. Yeah, and uh, and basically, so that's why that that's why the room of records is cur- currently empty. But it's interesting that it's there. I mean, you know, yeah. there's the fact that it's there's something there.
2: Yeah, I think that's just an example of. That there are man-made rooms in that hill. This one didn't seem big enough to hold wagon loads of yeah, uh, and have a table in there and all that. I said about ten that feet that by room. ten feet. I think
1: I think that some of the other accounts were talking about sixteen feet by sixteen yeah. feet. So that's probably you know, it's hard to tell from a picture. And, you know, how know, it, it is. it could have been a place yeah.
2: where they stored weapons or something for war, yeah, or ammunition or something. Yeah. Well, they didn't have ammunition, did they?
1: Yeah, More arrowheads. Well, you can still consider that ammunition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of arrows. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's just fascinating, though, that that, yeah. that this actually was discovered and found and so forth. And it's there on the Hill Camora yeah. So does this hill match the realistic expectations of the Hill Camorra in the text? And the answer, of course, is absolutely it does. Is there any reason to assume that there are two Hill Camorras? There is no reason to assume that unless you have an agenda and you want to basically you're trying to prove a particular point that goes against what Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, and every... Uh, general authority and so forth in the early history of the church, basically um, have said about this, about this place. Is there any scriptural requirement that the plates be buried in a different hill from that of the, of the repository of records? And the answer to that is no. It talks about that the records were the records that the room of records was in the Hill Cumorah, but it says that they, but the plates were placed on the Hill Cumorah. So the repository of records would have been in the hill but the stone box with the actual, you know, gold plates mm-hmm. on it, um, it would would have been on the hill Cumorah. and it makes sense that they would have been on the same on the same hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And if there's only one hill Cumorah, what does that mean for the Mesoamerican American theories? It makes it pretty much impossible to try to reconcile all, all the other issues that you have with the Mesoamerican American theories. Mm-hmm. Basically, if there's only one hill Kamora and it's in New York
0: you can click on over to part three of the Palmyra Legacy.
1: To me, this is not just another
2: nation.
0: It is not just one of the family of nations.
2: This is a nation with a great mission to perform for the benefit of liberty-loving people everywhere. It is my firm conviction that the constitution of this land was established by men whom the God of heaven raised up unto that very purpose. This is part of my religious faith.
0: Looking forward to 2021, you can buy your annotated Book of Mormons for Christmas gifts and save 21% at bookofmormonevidence.org.